2: with your personal message or logo. And there's no minimum order. So after the episode, head over to premiumbarproducts.com and check out everything they have to offer. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody. I'm Jim Shannon. And I'm Mike Hyatt. And this is The Bourbon Road. And today, Mike, we are actually on the road again. Thank goodness. Yeah, we... Uh...
0: Drove downtown Louisville, Kentucky, here in the urban bourbon trail, as everybody calls it, and we came into Rabbit Hole. Now, if you haven't been to Rabbit Hole, uh, it's like an architect's dream here, this building, right? Um, it is so modern, uh, nice and clean, uh, not what you'd expect for a distillery.
2: Very modern, very modern, very uh, future-looking kind of uh, architecture. So it's, it's definitely an eyepiece of the city.
0: Yeah, it's very beautiful and stuff. And then we walk in here, and there are seven glasses Glen Cairns sitting in front of me, or with bourbon and or um, gin.
2: Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna taste through their full lineup today. But first, let's welcome on our guests. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we've got uh, Cava, Zabignon. Perfect. Is that perfect? That really? is perfect, my oh, friend. Man, I practiced it too. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam Edwards. Hello. Welcome to the show. Uh, I will get a chance here to sort of talk about who you guys are and what you do for Rabbit Hole. Uh, But we kind of like to get straight to at least the first glass of whiskey. So um, would one of you like to lead us through that first one?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, We're going to start with Cave Hill.
3: Cave Hill is the one.
1: Yeah, and Cave Hill is a very special bourbon because this was my first recipe that... um, I started rabbit hole with. It's a four grain bourbon. We call it a four grain triple malt bourbon. Um, Very special, 70% corn, uh, 10% honey malted barley, 10% malted barley, and 10% malted wheat. And um, what else can I tell you about it? We age it in toasted and charred barrels. We put it in the barrel at 110 proof, and it's in the bottle at 95.
0: Wow. Looking forward to it. Cheers. 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 I don't know if it was because he said honey, but I get some honey on that. Yeah.
1: You know, one of the things about Rabbit Hole that's special is um, our emphasis and focus on malted grains. That's one of the things that, you know, was a page that I took from the craft beer guys. You know, I think within the boundaries of what constitutes bourbon, One of the things that's really exciting about it is that we can create a lot of different types of expressions organically, just using different types of ingredients. So you got your basic formula of what it has to be 51% corn and then 49%. I mean, hell, you can do all kinds of funky things with it. So for us, that's one of the ways we approach whiskey making, which is very similar to the culinary tradition. Um, We start with the ingredients, Focus on how you cook them and process them, and go from there.
0: Now I'm getting jalapeno honey.
2: Jalapeno honey—that's first time I've heard that, Mike. That's yeah. a
3: good. And oh. that fruitiness on there, kind mm-hmm. of? little, little yeah. fruitiness, little mm-hmm. s- spice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: I'm also seeing—I a, 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 think—a pretty big influence from from the malted grains. Uh, I get this little sense that I'm—I'm I'm almost almost right at first. I get this Irish sense to it a little bit. Is that something you've heard before?
1: You know, it's, um, I used to be a big scotch drinker before I met my wife who's from Louisville, Kentucky. She's the one that kind of got me on this bourbon path 20 years ago, practically. And, um, you know, this was in some ways a nod to scotch from a standpoint of secondary flavoring grain being barley rather than what's typical, which is wheat or rye. So in that sense, we wanted to do something that's a little bit more, you know, to your point, maybe peatier, a little earthier. Uh, but at the same time approachable and that's where that honey mold comes in
2: okay well let's taste it cheers cheers
0: that jalapeno honey's coming <laughs> right forward <it> for me <laughs> I'm gonna stamp that right on the bottle I am just I love it <laughs> I love it I don't know if you've ever had any jalapeno honey before um but it's absolutely delicious on a hot biscuit. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to try it. It's I'll almost
3: go. kind of green tasting. I know what you're talking about when you have like that, not the spice of the jalapeno, but like that green kind of fruitiness to it, like the bright flavors of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it just kind of, it, this. I like the spice too. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: good old Texas boy growing up in Texas, you, you <laughs> eat just a couple jalapenos in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, almost on anything. I can remember my stepfather having a big jar of pickled jalapenos and he would, he'd go through about a jar a week. Wow, so that's something that's vivid in my mind. But my mom would always make jalapeno jelly. Um,
1: I gotta try that, man. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe awesome you've never had, had
0: it. like I've jalapeno, jalapeno jelly. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, like a nice pepper little, jelly, little <laughs> cream cheese mm-hmm. and the cracker. That's nice.
3: Yeah, I think I kind of I kind of pick up sort of the same. It's it's like a green right on the mid palate, and it's like almost like green apple or pear for me, but like that same kind of bright sort of acidity. You get, I mean, honestly, when you're talking about like jalapeno, I can understand that. In Caveville, I can get kind of where you're where you're coming from on that. I mean, for me, the honey, and you said, well, I don't know if it's because he said it. <laughs> if it's because it's there. <laughs> but the honey, it's huge on Caveville. And that honey malt, when we're milling honey malt here, the whole place smells like honey and nuts Oh, wow. It, it really has such a honey presence that carries all the way through the process.
2: Yeah, I'm going to jump on that pear bandwagon too. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely on point there. I think this has got a pronounced pear pear taste to it. And it's not all up front for me. In fact, it seems like it's mostly at the mid for me. This Mm -hmm. really sits on my mid palate. It's got a nice finish to it, but it kind of sits there on the mid and gives you that. I'm going to agree, Mike, honey, jalapeno, (laughs) but with pears, I I definitely get the pears.
1: Yeah. For me, it's apple and pear. Okay. You know, both of those.
0: So coffee, you are the owner and founder of rabbit hole. Now how'd you come up with rabbit hole?
1: Well, you know, when I started talking about uh, getting in the business, I was a psychologist before I started making whiskey. I, um, uh, at the time, we had a seven-year-old, five-year-old, and a four-year-old. And um, when I talked to my wife about it, she kept saying, uh, you're going to take the family down the rabbit hole. I mean, she was basically worried that uh, this is a serious midlife crisis, if you would. <laughs> and um, that's how the name was, you know, came to be. But when I thought about it, you know, for us craft distilling and what we're trying to do um, really is a journey. And it's about taking a chance to make these distinct recipes, not knowing exactly how we're going to come on the other side. I think that's one of the risky and the courageous things that craft distilling guys do, which is make their own recipes. They don't know how it's going to come out four or five years down the road, but in the end the rewards are there. If you actually stay persistent and go through that rabbit hole, if you would.
0: I always think of way more blues is in my mind. When I think rabbit hole, I think way more b- blues. You, you know that song? I'm lost. No, really? No, should I? I'm lost
2: too. Well, I don't know about all that.
0: <laughs> it's a Wailing Jennings songs. And then uh, get a rabbit out of the log. You gotta be a DOG. And I always think, uh, <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> you just have to look it up, but wait, Waylon Jennings sang it. And, uh, when I think of rabbit hole, I always think of way more blues. And, uh, man, I, I tell you what, it fits right with that, too, that the bourbon whiskey does, I think.
2: Yeah, so that's kind of neat the way you brushed aside the singing it and just talked your way through the words. <laughs> it, <laughs> seemed, it seemed like you preserved your, like, manliness when you did that. I could probably sing it if I really tried. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I'd have to drink some more bourbon. I think
1: <laughs> Maybe after the second one. Like so we can, we can
2: definitely do that. We'll see.
3: We'll see where we are at the end of this. Yeah. <laughs> and Adam, so uh, what do you do for rabbit hole? So I'm the digital brand ambassador for rabbit hole distillery. Um, I actually came on board pretty much right when the distillery opened to the public in, uh, in 2018. And we're, we're coming up on my, my three year anniversary. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's been quite a ride. Um, I started as a tour guide and then I started kind of developing the tour program here. Um, you know, last March, when the world essentially ended for hospitality, um, I mean, it's been an incredibly tough year sure. for all of our hospitality part, uh, partners. Cave and, and Michael Motomedy, the number two hire for Rabbit Hole Distillery, um, they really made this offer to me to be an ambassador, but really capitalize on the situation, right? How do you bring people into, you know, they're really fans of Rabbit Hole or maybe don't know anything about Rabbit Hole. How do you bring them into the distillery? You do it digitally, right? So. Sure. Really started a whole private virtual tasting program that has been wildly successful. Um, I'm the the self like proclaimed bourbon nerd. Like I'm such a bourbon nerd. This is this is really my milieu is, is like bourbon podcasts and YouTube and and so it just was a natural fit for me. And I just get to talk about bourbon all day long for so a it's living. So needless
2: to say, you're right at home right now. One thousand
3: yeah. <laughs> percent. Absolutely love it.
2: Well, we we're going to get through a number of expressions in the first half here. We should probably move on to number two. What do you think? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's right. do it. And what do we have in our glass this time?
3: Adam, you want to take us through this one? Absolutely. So this is another Kentucky straight bourbon. This is high gold. Um, you know, really, these two bottles, really similar on paper. They look almost exact, right? They're same proof, 95 proof, same barrels, you know, coming from Kelvin, those toasted and charred barrels. Same yeah. ratio of grains, 70% corn, 30% malt. The malted grains change on high gold. This is a high rye. What we call what a high rye, almost double double malt. Really, is yeah. what this is. This is actually twenty five percent malted rye and five percent malted barley. Oh, let's
0: do it. This is right up Jim's alley. <laughs> that <laughs> four grain right up my alley. <laughs> cheers, Jim. Cheers, cheers.
2: That's a different animal.
3: Yeah, that's why we do two bourbons. I mean, you all just basically said what we love to hear. You're a four grain guy. You're a high rye guy. That's why we do it. We do two different bourbons because we want to make sure that we're kind of spreading that base out a little bit. We want to make sure that we've got something for everybody. Some people want that honey. Some people want that spice.
2: You know, the funny thing is about this is I because I, I didn't pause after nosing it to sip it. I went right from nosing it to sipping it. But I'm getting a really amazingly soft palate off of it. And it's almost like it's a creaminess. It's coming from the rye. and But it's not overly spicy. It's soft up front, a little bit spicy, but not overly spicy. Pretty, pretty intense. I like that.
0: I get a rich leather on this, that traditional bourbon notes off of this on the nose. I'm getting that oak in there. Um, just a tad bit of spice. Now, I didn't cheat like you did, Jim, and sip on it, but I'm about to. <laughs> all right. Well, go ahead, Mike. We want to hear what you have to say about the palate.
1: That's one of the things that we we sh- we try to do with the expressions to see if we can get them to be well-rounded, complex urbans, as Adam was saying, that they're all different and distinct on their own. And uh, and ultimately, you know, each person finds their favorite basically mm-hmm. based on their palate and what their inclination is.
0: Well, I think Jim hit it sp- spot on on this. It does have that creaminess, Jim, the kind of velvet
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, taste to it. A little bit of spice, which I kind of expected. Um, just that slight Kentucky hug. Yeah. Not a whole lot. Not overpowering where I'm like, pow, it hit me in the mouth or anything. Exactly. That- yeah,
2: you're getting a little bit of um, that um, that cedar menthol kind of finish on it. Just just a hint of it that lets you know, yeah, you're sipping on a rye, something with a little bit of rye in it. Not too much pepper on the back end, not too much spice, but just just about right, I think. But I love that creaminess. I love how soft it is up front. It fools you right at first. When it first enters your mouth, it kind of fools you a little bit.
3: Yeah, this is definitely like the velvet glove. Yeah. You know, Cave Hill is a very bold expression. High Gold is just a little more nuanced. And I, like Connie said, I mean, it's all about being distinct. You know, there's no reason... To make two bourbons exactly the same way, right? There's no reason to do that. And and we wanted to make sure that both of these side-by-side are two completely different experiences. I've always
2: liked expressions that included malted rye Mm -hmm. in the mash bill because it brings something special to the game, I think. It does. Yeah.
1: You're right. You're right.
2: Okay, so what do we have next,
1: guys? So we're going to our boxer grill, which is our Kentucky straight rye. Now, this is a standard 95 five recipe, and um, obviously it's made in Kentucky by us, but uh, we also finish it um, in the toasted and charred barrels uh, that are wood-fired. We use the same oak that's used to construct the barrel for uh, toasting and charring the barrel, and it goes in the barrel again at 110 and in the bottle at 95.
2: So I want to make sure I followed that. So this is a double-barreled? <laughs> Right. No, I don't no, it's, no.
1: No, it's a single barrel. Okay, but the barrels are toasted and charred. Okay, got it. Yeah, got it. And I think one of the things that we emphasize is that we don't use gas to toast and char the barrels. Um, we use wood fire as a, um, essentially, you know, the toasting and charring. Which you know, think about gas barbecue or you know, charcoal. Huge difference, right? And I think that's one of the things that, for me, when it comes to this expression, is pretty distinct because there's a lot of great ninety-five fives. In the market, but um, as we tasted, my you know experience with it is that you get flavors and notes that are not typical of a ninety-five-five rye whiskey,
2: and the five percent is malted barley.
1: Correct. Got it. Correct.
0: All right, well, let's check it out. Cheers. Cheers. Sweet and sticky. That's what I get on the nose. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, this is one of those that oh. you know. For me, almost every time I get, I get rose and these floral. Notes on it
0: that honeysuckle going down a dirt road, kind yeah, see, of floral there you notes, go. yeah, yeah, hard candy, kind of a hard
2: candy, uh, a sweet hard candy, but
1: which for me is unusual for a high rye, you know,
0: expression. You were gonna say whorehound, weren't you? Whore hound no, candy. I'm
1: say, no, because I'm, <laughs> I'm not getting, I'm kind of not
2: getting the root beer aspect of it, you know. But I am getting a little bit, a little bit of medicinal note. But that's true with most ryes; you get a little mm. bit of that. Um, this is just a little bit more of a, a hard candy. I mean, I would almost say Whorehound because it's the closest one I can figure to match it. But it's not Whorehound.
0: Adam, do you know what horhound?
3: I don't is? think I've ever had that.
2: Me neither. Neither one of you. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I think they're still available at Tractor Supply or Rural King. Okay.
0: That's about it. It's a country candy, you know. You got it's more of a medicinal, almost a cough drop.
3: Um, okay. It's it is a hard candy, though. You know, I think I know what you're talking about. I yeah. remember that from when I was a kid. Yeah, it's, it's
2: hints of it's hints of uh, anise mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and root beer, kind of. There
3: is oh. that sort of like almost almost like Chez Juan pepper or like clove, right on the tip of tongue of this, like come from that anise, right where it has like that little numbing aspect right up front. But like Javi was saying, I mean, you can put this up against any 95.5 and that 90 other 95.5 is going to be all spice all day long. This one, I think just has a much more floral characteristic to it. There's almost like this pipe tobacco thing on the finish that I just fall in love with every time with boxer grill. And to be fair, I'm a rye guy. Yeah. I love rye whiskey. Let's Let's
0: taste this thing.
3: thing?
2: and that's full bodied it's very true to a good rye i mean it's got a nice um very nice sweet full palate experience it's kind of sizzling on the side of my tongue just side of my tongue i only have one on the side of my tongue just a little bit but it's finishing with this nice oaky anise kind of i don't know
0: come it's, on silver tongue devil it's nice <laughs> it's nice <laughs> I think you're right, Jim. It It is full-bodied, uh, just a tad bit of spice that kind of coats your mouth um, nice and light. I wouldn't call it a, a spring or a summer sipper. It, it's a little heavier than that. Yeah. This would be more of your fall or uh, late winter rye. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's, a ca- it's a cowboy rye. Yeah, this would be a cowboy rider. Right I think this is a cowboy ride. Right? It's a compliment. I like Could that. Could John Wayne fit this in his saddlebag? <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole idea behind the flattened bottle is that it fits in a the saddlebag. Right, right? There you go. Now, copy. Who designed your bottle for you? Who came up with that design?
1: You know, yours truly. I do all the um, bottle design and the label design, and uh, now we've been able to actually put a team together here to work with me to. Um, bring that vision to life. So, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to do initially with the bottle was to do something unique, just that, like the liquid, but also, you know, we know there's a lot of women that are just joining the ranks of whiskey consumers. And we wanted to design a bottle that has both masculine and feminine attributes. So you got the sash, you got the slight curve, but it's also when you, when you hold on to it, it's pretty substantial, right? So you know, it's a hearty bottle, but at the same time, it's got some lines that's, um,
0: you know, blends both those masculine
1: and feminine elements.
0: And it's kind of got that, and I guess that would be in, like an almost an embossed rabbit mm-hmm. on it.
1: That's right. It's a debossed rabbit there. That's right.
0: Did you call it a debossed? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that's when it's into? That's mm-hmm. into,
1: exactly, as okay. opposed to coming out.
0: Got it. I'll Put, learn something new today, Jim. Yep, so right. Right. <laughs> <So did I. laughs>
1: yeah, that's one of the fun things about you know, being a rabbit hole between creating the recipes for, the, um, for production, distillery, and then the packages, you know, this is a dream come true, guys. It's like, a, you know, I come to work and uh, it's like going to a playground and you got great people like Adam and some of the folks who work at the distillery. And we just, you know, come up, pardon the expression, shoot the shit, and we come up with some ideas and we go from there. In fact, about 5% of our productions really dedicated to experimental stuff. Really? Yeah, so we have right now five different recipes of bourbon in production, um, three different recipes of rye, and we've gotten in a whole bunch of single malt expression, what I call American single malt expressions, playing around with some of our partners, grains from these malting houses, and probably about a dozen different finishing projects that are in the works.
0: Wow. I, I Thank you. I like that you said you just sit around and shoot the shit. And me and Jim, we always say that. We're not bourbon experts, right, Jim? Yeah. We're just bourbon bullshitters. You know, <laughs> that's what we t- We'll sit down and talk to you about bourbon, but we're definitely don't consider ourselves experts at it. We're just kind of experimenting our way along down a bourbon road.
1: But, you know, I tell you, this is one of the things that actually got me going because of what I learned eventually through those early years was, you know, back in the day here, we had over 2,000 distilleries in Kentucky and we're all, farmer distillers. They're the ones that really set that foundation for what we have today in Kentucky and Tennessee and Virginia. And, you know, I took inspiration from those guys. And in some ways, demystified the process for me because, you know, making whiskey is an art. It's a craft. It's not rocket science. I think anybody can do it. The question is, can you do something original? Number one. And number two, can you produce it consistently in a kind of quality that you want in the bottle? So the folks that are buying your product, um, you know, know what they're getting.
2: So how did this idea spark? I mean, what, what, what was the initial spark that just got you? I mean,
1: you know, honestly the initial spark was my frustration as a consumer. I uh, cut my teeth in the hospitality business. So I grew up in the bar and restaurant business Had a soft spot for wine and spirits all my life. And, um, when I started coming down to Kentucky back in the early two thousands, And at the time we were living in Chicago, I just couldn't believe how few people outside of this Kentucky, Tennessee belt really are familiar with the range and depth of history, tradition of bourbon. And um, when I really dug into it, you know, I realized there's a lot of essentially bottles on the shelf with the same recipe. And that was the light bulb moment for me because I was thinking, okay, knowing what I know about the history of bourbon in Kentucky, what happened to all that diversity of whiskey expression well you know it all went away a couple of hits you got prohibition number one world war Two number two and all of a sudden you got essentially a handful of distilleries making a handful of recipes and that was it
2: and then the consolidation that took place later on in the 60s 70s and 80s that's right? that's
1: right precisely and for me it was the consumer uh, in me that said you know again pardon the expression this is bullshit because i'm paying whatever I'm paying, I'm paying 20 bucks a year and 50 bucks a year, 70 bucks, therefore, essentially the same liquid and just different packaging. Um, And that was the aha moment for me. He's like, look, I think we can join and do something really unique and add value to what's happening in this bourbon renaissance.
2: Well said.
0: Thank you. Well, you definitely jumped head first in. Right, oh that God. rabbit into the hole, right? No kidding, man. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and What's your wife say about that?
1: You know, now she's happy about it, but I got to tell you, there was a lot of nights both of us were on our hands and knees just praying to anybody would listen to us up there because uh, it was a risk. You know, we hawked everything. Um, everything just, you know, our savings and everything went into it. And then it started with like, you know, most startups, family and friends or anybody who was stupid enough to invest in our company. And then it just went from there. I was fortunate enough that the timing was right. And there was a lot of folks here in Kentucky who believed in us and joined the ranks. And we were able to get the business off the ground. But it was pretty damn scary those early days because, you know, the challenging thing about making bourbon is that you lay something down and you just don't know what it's going to be like four or five years from now. And that's what she used to say. She's like, how the heck do you know this recipe is going to be any good? And I'm just looking at her saying, I have no idea, man. I have no idea. I don't know.
2: Fingers crossed. (laughs) Exactly. Fingers crossed, but, you know, well-planned, well-executed. You had a certain amount of confidence, I I would think.
1: Well, you know, it's confidence, and i got to give respect um, and accolades to the people that worked with me. You know, Larry Ebersol, for example, was the master distiller, you know, at Wild Turkey for a while. And before that at MGP, before MGP was when it was Seagram's, you know, he um, was— instrumental in helping me learn the trade, um, helping me put a team together because you're only as good as your team. You know, and I tell folks that the romance of making whiskey fades away pretty fast because you can make a good batch or two, but if you're able to do it, if you want to do it well, you got to be able to scale it up and do it, you know, on a consistent basis day in, day out. And in order to do that, you need a capable team.
2: Yeah. Well, Larry Eversol is a, is a legendary consultant who has shared his knowledge. Yeah. Um, with many companies like yours and in fact you know those who soaked it up and really listened to what he had to said put out things like what we tasted today yeah so let's can we move on to
3: the next expression
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> you want to lead the charge on that
3: one you got it so uh i will start by saying this you know when i first joined rabbit hole I had this really great conversation with kave where he told me you know ask me anything you can think of you're going to be talking about me a lot in your career. So just ask me any crazy question you think of. And one of the last things I asked him in that conversation was, oh, why do we make gin? And he goes, you know why? Because I like gin. And I always thought that was a brilliant answer. I love that answer. And I will, you know, I, I never was a gin drinker before I had this. And this one really its called Bespoke Gin because it's tailored for the bourbon drinker. This is a gin that is a London Dry taken from GJ, which is, the oldest gin distillery in in London, I think, maybe the world. They send it to us. We finish it in those Boxer Grail barrels for about six months, and it's unlike any gin that you've ever had. I mean, even the color alone is just absolutely gorgeous. To be blunt, it tastes like limoncello and Earl Grey tea. This one is phenomenal.
2: I'm excited because, you know, I've said this before, gin is my other bourbon. Mm -hmm. it absolutely is i I can drink gin well i did drink gin all 10 days in
3: mexico
0: (laughs) (laughs) quite a bit actually (laughs) i'm I'm with you i'm not a gin drinker Uh, i had a bad experience when i was a younger man and (laughs) i just never looked back it's one of those things you just don't reach for it and stuff but i would tell you this has an absolutely beautiful nose on it citrusy uh that i can see that limoncello coming through Mm -hmm. in it um
3: now, oh, is that from
2: Lemon Verbana?
3: Vir- uh, no, this one is, so this one is, I mean, it's a true London dry. I mean, it's, it's has the juniper berries. It does. It's, I think to be London yeah. dry, it's got to have like 70% juniper in the basket. Yeah. yeah it's um,
1: really mm-hmm. classic mm-hmm. juniper forward, pine forward. The base liquid is, you know, I compare it to Tanqueray. I mean, if you think okay. about a Tanqueray, which is very juniper forward classic, you know, that's kind of where where this, okay. this is.
0: We'll sip this thing. We'll sip it.
1: You know, most people don't remember that the gin that came out of Seagram's was aged in barrels and it had the same color. And this was, you know, part of the inspiration behind this as well, because, you know, I actually used to drink gin when I was a young man. And um, and as I got older, just my palates changed and I just couldn't drink that real piney juniper type uh, gin. So this was how do we soften it up a little bit more, make it more of a sipping gin, but at the same time, at eighty-nine proof, it really does well in a cocktail as well.
2: Yeah, I mean it's sweet and buttery at the same time. I, I, I would, I would wonder what else is in that basket because for me, it seems I'm obviously the juniper berries are like you said seventy percent, I guess. Mm-hmm. But there's something else in there, and it's you, know, you say it's not lemon verbana, right?
3: There's definitely, I mean, they, they, G and J is pretty. Proprietary with oh, their, they're not, they're their not kind of herbals. <laughs> um, but I mean, we're, I think we're educated enough, we can kind of get most of it. I mean, there's definitely rosemary in that basket. You know, there's definitely orris root. Um, there's definitely citrus in that basket. They definitely have citrus peel in that basket.
0: I actually think this would play nice with just a Cube ice. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This yeah. is a, this is a sip and jet. I would it I would is. go with
3: that. It's good for a thunderstorm, as you can tell. It's really good. yeah <laughs> This is the thunderstorm gym. I always <laughs> say this, listeners, if you can
2: pick this up. There's a big rainstorm outside, but they never, they can never pick it up. So, I always say that because I'm like I'm so embarrassed that we got all this background noise, but these systems never pick it up.
0: So the only that's thing true. I think people will pick up the rain is uh, those poor horses of the track today. Yes. Oh um, that's right. And probably some spectators out there because this is kind of the Wednesday before Derby. And this is where the locals get to go to the races. And I can't imagine it is listeners. It's absolutely pouring outside.
3: If it It doesn't rain around Derby, is it really Derby? I don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: The weather's always such a, so up in the air during (laughs) the Derby week that Mm -hmm. you never know what you're going to get, but I think it's going to actually turn out this year to be halfway decent on Derby day and,
1: and on Oaks as well. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be. Yeah, Yeah. We're excited about it.
2: All right, guys. Well, um,
1: Let's move on to the last one. And what do we have in our glass this time? So this is a weeded bourbon that's finished in Pedro Jimenez Sherry casks. This is Derringer. Um, It is, I think, really special for lots of reasons, in part because the base liquid is a weeded bourbon that we make. Um, And the Pedro Jimenez Sherry casks, you know, PX Sherry is... From a spectrum standpoint compared to other sherries, it's the highest sugar concentration. So you get a lot of sweetness in that barrel. And we have a partnership with the amazing uh, cooperage in Spain called Cascanolia. Believe it or not, the wood actually gets harvested and procured from Ohio, Mm. goes to Spain. They put the barrel together, give it to a winemaker who ages sherry in it for two years. Then they take the sherry out and send the barrels over to us here in Louisville. And then we age, you know, the range really is anywhere from three months on the low end to nine months on the high end, average about six months All right. in the PX Sherry.
0: Well, Mike, we kind of like these finished bourbons, don't we? We do. We actually had you guys. We did a show just on finished bourbons, and I thought we had reviewed this. We didn't. We actually did a finished bourbon show to kind of explain to our listeners about finished bourbon and to kind of just discuss that and kind of open that conversation up because finished bourbons do kind of get burnt, beat up a little bit by bourbon nerds, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, bourbon purist or whatever you want to call them. (laughs) But it's bourbon bullshitters. They are what they are. um, And you got to take them at face value. And as long as you're putting finished bourbon on there. um,
1: Yeah. I think, you know, part of the challenge with uh, the bourbon connoisseurs or geeks or nerds or whatever you want to call them is that, There is a little bit of confusion between is this truly from the standards perspective bourbon or is it something else? Because according to the federal government, this gets qualified as what they call distilled spirit specialty. Once you put it in a secondary cask that's not basically brand new oak container, it changes that classification. Now, what that means is that you can and some people do we don't but some people do um can add flavoring and color to it um you know for us it's all organic so it goes in the px it ages organically we don't add anything to it and that's what it is so i think part of what that concerned at least that i've heard with some folks is that you know is this kind of getting out of that bourbon category and i say to them look as long as you a producer does it without adding flavoring and coloring and does it purely it's it's bourbon.
0: I, I think it, it opens more people up to drinking bourbon. Um, it's kind of a 100%. gateway yes. whiskey f- for people to get into bourbon and a it, it little bit easier on a palate, right? Yeah. And especially yeah. when you take a weeded bourbon, which I know about that much about, right, Jim? Yeah. Just, just, a, little <laughs> bit, just a little bit. Um, You take a weeded bourbon, which is already soft and floral, and then you take and put it in a a sherry cask. Man, what a beautiful expression. Let's check it out. Check Check it it out. out. Cheers. 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 That sherry comes right out Mm -hmm. of it. Uh, Soft, sweet. Very soft.
2: Skips right over the mid-palate. Goes straight from the front. Big impression on the front, goes straight to the back. Course sort of sits there and starts to build on the finish. That's sweet, it's floral, it's rich, it's got um I almost want to say like a well, I, I mean it's got a deep fruit and oak and a little bit of tobacco on it, but not much. Just a hint of tobacco.
0: Almost like a not sherry, but a little bit of a
3: cherry there,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I can say that
3: there's quite a bit of red fruit in this that thing, and i I like how you kind of said that about the mid palate because that sort of exists for me too. It's almost a break between the two barrels it's like when you when you smell it, you get the sherry first and kind of the 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 weed bourbon on the back end of the nose. but when you taste it, you get the weed bourbon first, and then you just hit this. There's a wall of dark chocolate, and that is really where the bourbon barrel ends, and that sherry casserole takes over. You get the almond, and the black tea, and the stone fruit, and all the, the cherry, and the the kind of dried fruit notes that you're all talking This is like the charcuterie of bourbons, right? It's this. It's sweet, it's it's nutty, it's rich. I'm definitely mm-hmm.
2: getting the almond now that you
3: mm-hmm. mention it. You had to pull that out of me, though. But I, had yeah. to,
1: I had to plant that seed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and we've talked about pairing it with the charcuterie Yeah. Plates. I mean, it's the dried fruit, the the nuts.
3: Even like a soft cheese with yeah. this. Yeah. It's really amazing.
0: Yeah. So, so, Kavi, how did you go from, and I, I've been one ask this question at a couple different distilleries, but this is the perfect setting for it, and you're the perfect pair for this. How did you go from deciding between having a PR firm, right, mm-hmm. which is usually outside of the state, uh, people that some of them don't drink bourbon, to actually having a brand ambassador?
1: You know, we do, I believe in kind of a vertical system. If you think about business, you know, I just learned the hard way the first couple of years of rabbit hole that we do better if we um, bring people into the fold and work together as a team, because, you know, the family motto for our family motto is love and work. And I take that very seriously. It's part of the DNA of rabbit hole. Essentially, you know, what I tell folks is that we make whiskey, but we're also here to inspire people to uh, find their dream and go after it. My dream was to become a whiskey maker. A mid-career may change to uh, to the whiskey business. And if I can inspire people like Adam or other folks to find what they love and go after it, you know, then we've done, you know, a lot more than just making whiskey here. And, um, and I think in order to do that, in order to achieve that family experience, that experience where the ecosystem is there to create greatness, you need to bring people in the fold. So for me, you know, someone like Adam, I mean, Adam's like family, right? He's been with us from the, the earliest days that we started um, the distillery. He knows the ins and outs of it. And personally, selfishly, I would love for him to stay with us for, his lo- for the rest of his life. But at the same time, if he decides to part ways and do something incredible that he has dreamt of and wants to do, I'm 100 percent behind him. You know, and um, and I think that's where the magic is. You know, we do that with packaging. We do that with the liquid. You know, we operate together as a team rather than parsing things out and farming it out to agencies and other people.
0: Well said. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, we're up on the break now, so we're going to take a few minutes here. We're going to sort of pause on drinking and take a break (laughs) and listen to our sponsors and when we come back you've got a couple expressions to introduce us to in the second half
1: sounds
0: good
2: well you know you can't drink whiskey without glassware and mike and i are extremely pleased to have a sponsor like premium bar products premium bar products offers direct to consumer the finest whiskey glasses cocktail glasses and bar tools with your own personal engraving i mean you can write anything you want on these glasses anything from a company logo to a personal statement and there are no minimum orders their direct consumer platform offers you the opportunity to purchase small quantities of your favorite glass shapes that enhance the pleasure of enjoyment and drinking a whiskey and make it all very positive. They offer the absolute finest trending and handmade glasses as well as a comprehensive range of styles and all of their items have been designed with purpose, practicality, and longevity in mind. So if you're a bourbon or whiskey group and you need custom logos, you need to reach out to premium bar products. If you're an individual, you just want a few for your bar to impress your friends, to give out as gifts, you need to call Premium Bar Products. They need to be your one and only source for custom glassware. I can tell you right now, the Bourbon Road, that's who we use. Janie and Carson and the team there at Premium Bar Products will take care of you. They'll treat you like family and they'll take care of you with every order.
0: All right, listeners, we are back and we're at rabbit hole. We got Kaveh, the owner and founder of Rabbit Hole, and we got Adam in the house with us. And you guys have just poured two special pours for us for this second half. I am I'm super excited, Jim. What about you?
2: I'm very excited. And I want to take time on these. We had to in the first half we had to get through a number of expressions. Yeah. And we got to really taste them and talk about them. That was all great. But I really want to
0: savor these two because they come in a box.
1: <laughs> Not just a like cardboard box.
0: <laughs> no, one box is a wooden box. It looks like a. It's got puzzle pieces to it, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean it's pretty pretty sharp. But the, it doesn't matter how beautiful the box is, no yeah. matter what, right? If it's what inside is inside the bottle. Yeah, it it's something about dressing
2: up a pig or something like <laughs> that. Yeah. <please>. It would <laughs> be dressing
0: up a rabbit. Oh, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. So what do we have in our first glass?
1: So this is part of what we call our Founders Collection, and uh, Founders Collection is meant to be a series where it's all about giving us an opportunity to flex our creative muscles and do some neat things, and uh, and also work towards as we're marching towards older expressions. The first glass is our Boxer Grail, uh, which is our Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey at six year old that is offered at cask. Okay. So that's what we're tasting first.
2: So this is your distillate that you have right. aged here and and now it's at six years of age. That's right. Awesome. Ready to try it. Cheers. Cheers.
0: But deeper of a nose on that. You're more rich. Which I would expect out of a cast strength.
2: A little bit more um citrusy, I think, a little bit more of an orange than a that orange zest. Yeah, orange zest.
0: You know, one of the things I, I'm
1: curious about in terms of your your reaction to this is just seeing the evolution of that Kentucky straight rye over the course of the years, right? So we got a, at least two years older than what we tasted earlier and just see, uh, I would love to hear how you, what you guys think in terms of how it's evolving. Okay.
2: Let's take a sip. Yeah, it's 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 becoming more, it's becoming more syrupy, more candy like,
0: like warm syrup. Yeah, yeah, that's just a mouth a mouth coating, that almost like it's on hot pancakes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with a little bit of orange zest on there. There's nothing yeah. stopping
3: you from doing that, by the way. You can put this on pancakes if you want.
0: Yeah, you guys,
2: you guys could make a syrup. Uh, we could out of these casts when you're done <laughs> dump, dumping them for this, make we some could. maple syrup in it. Yeah, that's uh that's and I love to see when rye's sort of take the turn. You know, they sort of take that turn and they become this more um more syrupy, sweet, candy-like kind of rye. But they still have all those notes that they carried along through their aging. This is uh this is an improvement over the four-year. The mm-hmm. four year's good, no doubt about it. But this is an improvement over it. I think it's heading in the right direction. I would love to taste this. I, I assume you're gonna try and do something.
1: Yeah, you know, what we're doing right now is we're laying down for 10, 12, 15-year expressions. So, that's kind of where, you know, I'm just chomping at the bits to taste those barrels in you know, years to come.
0: So, you're really, you, you're laying the found work and you're not sourcing from anybody. You're doing no. your own work here. That's right. Um, just so our listeners know that, they're not buying their whiskey from anywhere else, Jim. They're, they're actually putting in the work. But the part of that is with whiskey— Right. It's pretty much a liquid investment.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: How, what's your wife say about that, though? <laughs>
1: <laughs> she says, um, I got to take her on vacations more often. <laughs> she's she's earned it. She's definitely earned it. Yeah. You know, look, without her, I wouldn't have been here. No question about it. But you're right. I mean, we are um, right now, 21,000 barrels a year we're laying down.
0: Now we're 21,000 barrels. That's, that's a lot of barrels, right? Yeah. You, you're not fitting 21,000 barrels in this, this place right here. No,
1: no. Um, Henry County. So we got warehouse campus maturation campus in Henry County, about 30 minutes North, uh, East of here.
0: Yeah, we that's know where exactly why I used to hunt up there in Henry County.
1: <laughs> hey man, you might be able to hunt actually on the, you know, <laughs> Side, yeah, I mean,
3: I, bow I think deer the are pretty much, they're attracted to barrels. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a bow, I'm a bow hunter, so I, there's no... Uh, oh yeah, we, got,
1: we got a couple of distillers here that are bow hun- hunters yeah. in uh, Henry County. Connor mm-hmm. is one yep.
2: of them. Yeah. So your aging warehouses are on a hill in Henry County.
1: Beautiful. Just, and one of the things we're doing right now is mapping out the kind of ecosystem of every single barrel. So you know... The temperature fluctuations, humidity, all those things that you need to know to, you know, understand the personality of a warehouse.
0: Now, is that a traditional rickhouse or?
1: Yeah, so it's traditional in the sense that it's a rack system, but we use steel rather than wood. You know, we made the decision a few years ago just because, you know, I thought that steel is a more sustainable um, and lower maintenance, if you would, um, material. So that's what they are. It's a traditional rack system, but with steel rather than wood.
2: Now, are the barrels um, horizontal or vertical?
1: Uh, horizontal. Okay. On their, on their so belly. still traditional still, storage. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing palletized. It's all on their belly. And uh, like if you go in, it's set up just like a traditional wood rickhouse. The only difference is that a
0: wood, we're using steel. No. Now, Adam, you had to go up there and roll any barrels?
3: I will tell you, I've rolled a few barrels here. I've, I've done pretty much everything around I have, the Kave made me make sure I understood everything that was going on. But I will tell you one thing that I really love about those houses is that when they put the barrels in, so we've got three of them right now, and the first one will pick one barrel up at a time, and it's almost like a big claw, and it goes up on this big kind of lift and clocks it for you make sure it's going to be attended to. The second warehouse we built it's actually a turret truck and it'll pick up two barrels at one time, clock them for you and make sure they're rolling where they need to go. It's it's amazing. Wow. And and that's I mean, that's very much rabbit hole, this idea of having traditional foundation with very innovative practices. I mean, that carries through from grain to glass all the way through from Brains to Rick House, basically. Well, you could also keep a worker healthy longer. Oh, <laughs> absolutely! Yeah, 100%. <laughs>
1: yeah. Those guys appreciate the
2: system mm-hmm,
3: for sure. <laughs> so have you
2: have you uprighted a barrel by yourself?
3: I have actually. Yeah. I, you know, well, not all by myself. <laughs> a few other hands help me. There's, there's very few men in the world that could uh, do that. Oh my
2: God! Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> there's there's very small cool.
3: fellas that do it. That yeah. do it all the time. You oh, know, yeah. they've
2: got mm-hmm. that there's just a certain rhythm or
3: cadence to it. And well, they, just like our warehouses, they are also made out of steel at that point. So yeah, yeah. right.
0: <laughs> I, uh, we, me and Jim had went to a distillery and we actually got to do our interview inside their, their warehouse. Right. And, That's fun. uh, we needed to get into the barrel and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was like, let me have that thing. I'll get it. I'll get it flipped over. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me and he's like, I, I guess you can. I pulled it over. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I was How'd like, you what? feel the next day?
0: Uh, you know, I'm, I'm only 47. So I still, <laughs> and I, we, ha- I have a farm. So my back still hurts a little bit from 24 years in the military, <laughs> but, um, I felt all right. <laughs> all right. So some final notes on this, Mike, you know, I'm not a right guy. Uh, it, it is a little bit hot for me. A uh, big Kentucky hug on this for me right <laughs> here. Um, Probably not for me as a as a rye whiskey drinker, I would rather have the four year. This is pretty powerful, pretty special drink. Um I could see sitting down with you, Jim, and drinking this by fire though.
2: Yeah, for me this this represents uh it's kind of where the well aged rides should be. You know, it's sort of entering into that realm of well aged rides or extra aged rides, And they do something magical kind of when they get into the that uh six to twelve year range. Uh, they just change. They become mm-hmm. this this candy in a bottle and I think you're almost there it's really good um, I would love to have a bottle of this I don't know if you <laughs> I would I would
0: have I would have one of these on my bar though so. that's, great. that's great so should we move on to the next one yeah Jimmy is the total rye guy I know if we get, I get a, the sense of it if we get a special bottle of rye and we had one the other day that we reviewed um, I didn't even blink an eye I, and I loved that rye um, but I Said, hey Jim, I know that y- you deserve this one, and usually, if it's a weeded whiskey, yeah. I usually end up with yeah. it. So,
1: well, listen, we got we got one for both of you, so the next one should be of interest to you. That it's <laughs> Pro- not a weeded Probably. bourbon, but this is uh, it's got a good story. Hmm. So, um, one of the other crazy hobbies that I have had for the last 15 20 years is collect bottles, dusties, and sometimes especially now this goes back in the early days when actually the price of a barrel of bourbon was not what it is today, um, I bought a few barrels. And um, there's a collection of bourbons from bar- barrels of bourbon from different distilleries that I've had. And I didn't do anything with them in part because we have our own recipes here and I wanted to stay true to that. But what I was also fantasizing about was how do I take this liquid that's really special on its own but add our own fingerprint or on our own touch to it. I'm a big fan of terroir. You know, I think about, okay, where the grains come from, you know, what's the impact of uh, the, the environment on the barrels? And, and I've been thinking about Japanese whiskey for a long time. I enjoy Japanese whiskey as well. I think they do some really cool things. And I um, was thinking about how do we get our hands over on a Japanese oak barrel? And these Mizunara barrels are basically what kind of was um, the key for me to age this 15-year-old, essentially combination of high rye bourbon from different distilleries. We blended them together and finished them in these Japanese oak barrels. I call it the ultimate double oak because not only the base liquid is Kentucky straight bourbon, the, the youngest is 15 years old in the blends. And then the Mizunara barrels are virgin Japanese oak barrels. So, again, legally speaking, this is a Kentucky straight bourbon. Just happens to be aged in two different types of containers.
0: Man, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of anything that's double oaked. Yeah. Uh, it adds a whole new level of sweetness, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Well, heck, let's nose this thing. And
3: I'll oh. say this about this Mizanara finish. I'm a mouthfeel guy right? That's what I really key in on, on like really nice bourbons and, and rye whiskeys is just the mouthfeel. How does it feel on your palate? It's not too many times I can know something and really tell what the mouthfeel is going to be when I know something. This just has such a deep, rich presence from the moment it hits my it hits my nose. I know it's going to be heavy on my palate. So,
2: as you nose know this, you get this creamy
0: mouthfeel.
3: Kind <laughs> of. Yeah. right. I understand.
0: I'm actually getting like a Chocolate covered toasted marshmallow on this mm-hmm. on the nose,
1: and you guys know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: You, oh, yeah. you know you know bit of honey candies. Oh yeah. So yeah, if yeah, you were, were, talking, if, yeah. you were to, if you were to chocolate coat a bit of honey,
0: I think that'd be kind of.
2: <laughs> and I haven't tasted. That's just the
0: nose, but. <laughs> well, let's let's taste this thing. I'm. I mean, cheers it for it.
1: And take just be careful. It's a cask too. <laughs>
0: Man, That's like lip smacking good right there. Um, I think it, the mouthfeel on that is it's kind of sticky, it's it's that it is that chocolate coated marshmallow that's been toasted over a fire or something. Yeah, and uh, uh, it
2: kind of uh, it kind of as you're as you're sucking on that bit of honey and you get that creamy candy goodness that comes off of it, it's kind of coating the back of my mouth. I'm kind of getting that right now.
0: On the back end though, Jim, you know that one that one candy we really like is those pop rocks or just
3: yeah, I love that everything you all do just goes through candy. I love that. You <laughs> <see> your whole <laughs> it's like a flavor wheel, but it's just different candy brands. I love it. Well, so you know, if me and
0: Jim led a tasting, right? We mm-hmm. did a couple tastings uh, for different bourbons and we're talking to people and trying to teach them, we say, don't just throw away that tasting wheel, mm-hmm. right? Because that's for really to me, it's for a wine drinker. That's how it came about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's taste from what your childhood experience is; uh, those sensory memories that you had. Uh, Jim's usually will say cedar on a rye, um, or I'm on a, a weeder. I'm usually some kind of cereal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, I, I mean, our listeners are
2: uh, full spectrum. Yeah, right. I mean, so we've got everybody from people who are chasing bottles and true bourbon connoisseurs and nerds right down to just beginners who are just starting and they want to know how to taste bourbons and they want to know, you know, how do I, how do I express what I'm tasting? And the best way is, is, is to say, you know, go from your knowledge, go from your library you've built over the course of your life. And that may be in, and what we use a lot of times are cereals and candy bars and candies and, and other things like that, because that's what people can relate to who aren't trained uh, palette of, you know, experts. So
3: honestly, we are. And I can tell you right now, we do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you really go back on your your experience. I'm a, like, I'm a camper. I'm a, I'm a hiker and a camper. When you're talking about the kind of flavor notes of this, I mean, it's, it's graham crackers and, and marshmallows. To me, it's like a s'mores almost. Yeah. But that, yeah.
2: that not the marshmallow when you all the way burn it, when you they almost you burn right? it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I love what you guys are saying because it's a great reference and it's a great way of, Um, getting folks to get in touch with their own personal experience and let that guide them as far as a tasting experience. It makes a lot of sense.
0: Now, Kavi, I'm sitting here wondering, um, you know, you, when we first started this, you said I I was a scotch drinker, you know, and a lot of scotch drinkers can't bring themselves to enjoy bourbon. Yeah. Um, My father-in-law being one of those, he's 80 years old and he's like, I don't know how you drink that sweet stuff. I'm a scotch drinker. Um, did you find yourself that same way when you first met your wife? She said, I am from Kentucky and I want you to try this, this real whiskey. Yeah. You
1: know, <laughs> you know, I actually initially had to force myself to drink scotch. This was in my twenties and I was trying to be cool because everybody older than me was drinking scotch. And my, my dad used to, he was a crown Royal guy and Chivas guy. And, uh, I just didn't get it. And I kind of forced myself into it, but as I approached my thirties, it really started to, I started appreciating in the ways that I just didn't in my twenties. And I think my palate was evolving, but then once I, and I, and the bourbons that I had at the time, not bad necessarily, but I had beam makers, not nothing really, you know um, in some ways revolutionary, but old Forester was the first bourbon that really got me going. You know, that was the one when to me, it was like, this is spectacular. And it's bringing something to me that makes more sense. Um, and I actually, at that point, I know you guys, you guys asked this question earlier, that was really the true, I think the beginning of that aha moment, because I thought, you know, I don't understand why most people are drinking scotch around the world and not bourbon, because bourbon is a much tastier whiskey than scotch. And I think if we do it properly from a standpoint of promotion, marketing, branding, and spreading the gospel. I think the world is going to just love bourbon over whiskey all day. I mean, scotch all day.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. We I know Jim does it, that people just need to understand it and then yeah. sip on a little bit and say, Man, this is super tasty. I, I enjoy a good scotch every once in a while. I enjoy a good Irish whiskey or even a Japanese whiskey. Yeah. Um, but.
1: But I'll come I'll back you, to bourbon every time. Yeah, but I think I think that's the other thing that's really exciting about American whiskey, for bourbon in particular, that within that range of what constitutes bourbon, you can play around with so many different recipes. So as a whiskey maker, for me, what's exciting, it's like a kid in a candy store. I'm going there and I'm playing around with different ingredients. And you can really bring out different notes in a way that's you just can't with Scotch and, and Irish or Japanese because they've got that limitation of, you got even single malt. Got, you got barley, barley, barley. And again, there's variation in terms of terroir and all that, but there's something added here. There's a there's a little bit of a more nuance to to bourbon that I think is, um, again, if we spread the gospel right, people will, will understand it and will wrap themselves around it.
0: Well, Adam, so Kami kind of, told us about his first bourbons there, right? What he had had we knew he was a scotch drinker. What about you?
3: Are are you from Kentucky? I am from Louisville. So what, what was your first bourbon? My first bourbon. So, you know, when I was in college, I was much more, um, of a vodka guy, believe it or not. I was just kind of vodka and seven up, you know, things like that. When I, after I got my degree, I moved back to Louisville, went to UK, moved back to Louisville and I really started learning about wine, and wine led me into bourbon. It really did kind of have that sort of progression. And the first bourbons that really did it for me were things like Maker's Mark. I always loved, and it was like the look of the bottle. I love the way the bottle looked. Um, I've told this story before. I love this story. The first bottle of bourbon I ever bought for myself once I knew that I really loved bourbon was actually a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle 23, just sitting on the shelf at the liquor store I worked at. No one was buying them back then. I mean, mid 2000s, I bought that bottle. I had no idea what I was doing. I remember being like, this tastes like an oak branch. I mean, it was so okay, <laughs> right? But I mean, I think that was when I realized the complexity of bourbon because I had gone from drinking Maker's Mark, which is, you know, a four to six relatively simple weeded bourbon to a very complex weeded bourbon in, in much older barrels that I knew there was a broad range there and It was like a light bulb for me that just really, really uh, touched me. And and, and that's where that passion kind of sparked for me.
2: And and for our listeners, it doesn't take a long time to zero in on that profile that really Mm -hmm. sings to you. Right. I mean, you'll find it. And and, in a company like rabbit hole has such a a wide variety of expressions, they're going to find something in this range that Mm -hmm. sort of fits that, but they're all very different. They're all very different.
1: That's the hope. You know, I think, The other source of inspiration for me was, as Adam was saying, was the wine industry, right? If you think about where wine was in the 70s and early 80s, most consumers were like, okay, white wine, red wine, rosé. And now look at what's happened in terms of the consumer's IQ when it comes to um, wine and understanding their own palate and what they like, what they don't like. And this is our hope for American whiskey, that we can get to a point where people can say, hey, you know, I'm picking this one because it's a weeded bourbon, and this is my palate, this is what I like, and, and even order by that. One of the challenges that we had when it comes to branding and marketing was, we realized consumers are ordering by the brand rather than by the liquid in the bottle. That's part of the reason we came up with the secondary names on the, on the products because there is no standard, like you see in wine, you got, okay, Cabernet, you got you know Pinot, so on and so forth. You don't have that with American whiskey, and we need to kind of educate people and and begin to have the nomenclature so people understand. Okay, what is the difference between, let's say, you know what we have in Derringer versus High Gold or Cave Hill, and how do you call for it when you go to a restaurant or a bar? Yeah.
2: Well, Mike, I've thoroughly enjoyed myself here. I think we've had
0: just a little bit of bourbon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm ready to go to the dentist now. My lips a little bit numb. <laughs> I, I think I bit my cheek a little bit, you know, after well, I,
2: I tell you what, Kavi, this Founders collection is something that's a little special, and I hope you keep doing it. Thank you. I hope you keep introducing new expressions from that collection, and uh, I, both of them were special in their own way. Uh, personally, I kind of lean towards the rye a little bit. I think Mike probably liked this 15-year-old. Good Lord, I loved it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I like them both,
2: to be honest with you, but I... I just I like those spicy whiskeys. I just like it, and I love what you guys have done with your rise here. I really do.
1: Well, thank you. And listen, because you guys are so special to us, I just want to give you the scoop that uh, our next founders collection is going to be coming out in September, and it's a double chocolate malt bourbon. Oh. Five grain double chocolate malt, and it's just absolutely spectacular. We call it Race King. It's Derby weekend. It's our way of basically kind of giving a nod to the horse and uh, uh, racing tradition here in Kentucky. Really, really excited about it, and I think you guys need—you have to come back and taste that one with us. Oh, well, most definitely. Well, hopefully,
0: we <laughs> could. Uh, hopefully, we could be the first people to review it.
3: Well, you know somebody. So. We do know somebody. <laughs> A lot of people said that to us. And like, hmm,
0: we never got that chance to review that.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, we have had such a wonderful time today. You guys pulled out all the stops. No doubt about it. You guys have given us sort of the grand tour of your expressions and we can't thank you enough. We'd like to give you the opportunity of letting our listeners know where they can find you on the web, on social media, what you have going on, anything you'd like to announce at this time. Uh, the floor is yours.
1: Adam, do you want to say a couple
2: you of know,
3: weeks? The best place to find us is definitely our website. It's an incredible uh, resource for all sorts of things. Just rabbithole Um, distillery.com. There's all sorts of amazing videos on there. Um, we were just talking about that Derringer earlier. There's an incredible video on there about the families that really put that together. What do we say? Three families, two Three continents. Families. Yep. And it's, I mean, that's a really, really cool story. Um, and as we're going forward, I mean, I think Kavi already left the cat out of the bag you know, we've got this amazing five grade coming up soon. Um, something I always piggyback off of you. You know, Kavi says, you know, find what you love and go all the way in. I, I, I go one step further for me. It's it's find what you love and share it with those that you love. Yeah. That's really the the secret to the happiness in my life. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So we we
3: all know that,
2: you know, this summer we're kind of looking forward to things kind of uh, getting back to a little bit of normal. I think most of the distilleries downtown are still closed down to some extent, but they're going to open back up. Do you guys expect some maybe summer or fall opening?
1: Yeah, we actually are looking at mid-June as our kind of grand reopening, if you would. So probably June, tw- I think we've put June 22nd as yeah. our date.
2: Okay, great. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, I mean, people are itching to get back into Louisville, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, and so are we Yeah, we get, get going again.
2: So I, I truly believe that the bourbon industry and the bourbon trail are going to re-breathe life into Louisville, Kentucky.
1: Okay. I agree. I agree.
0: That's that rising tide. Rising tides raise all ships, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, and it's going to take the bourbon industry to help the city. Uh, rise up um, from kind of the ashes and and rebuild itself again. It's did it in the past several times and I think it's time to to do it again. Absolutely. So Mike, where can people find us on social media? So you can find us on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have a private Facebook group, the Bourbon Roadies, 1,700 people strong. You got to answer three questions to get in there. Are you 21? Do you like bourbon? Hell yes. Everybody likes bourbon. <laughs> and do you agree to play nice? Because we don't tolerate any what, Jim? No rudeness. As What, what was his name? Woodrow McCall was the Texas Ranger that said that on Lonesome Dove. Yeah,
2: we don't tolerate any rudeness in our group, we're all kind of family, you know we like to share what we're drinking, share uh, what we're what's going on in our lives. We like to share you know the the latest bottle that we got. Um, we even share our whiskey a little bit, don't we? We do like to share some whiskey. <laughs> well, anyway, so we've got master distillers, all kinds of industry experts in there. We've got authors and musicians and chefs and comedians and all, all kinds of folk that love to come in there and hang out. Um, I would, I would hope that our rabbit hole friends here will, will join in the bourbon roadies and Already answer a, a few part questions. Of it. Awesome. awesome. Already a part of if it. I had to have you as a, <laughs> as a roadie. Um, it's a great place to feel, um, feel free to speak your mind without getting jumped on by others. So
1: thank you guys for everything. This has been spectacular.
0: So we also have our website, thebourbonroad.com. You can find our swag on there, our glasses from distillery products. You can find our hats. You can find our famous shirt now, the bourbon bullshitter T-shirt. You want to get yourselves one of those. Wear it in here to rabbit hole and stuff. Let them know that you're just not an expert Just a guy that likes bourbon or a gal that likes bourbon. So get yourself one of those shirts. You can find our articles, our blogs. There's not always about the episode itself. It's kind of what I'm thinking about today. Some days uh, Jim's write those. Some days I write them. We also have our bourbon reviews on there. You want to check those out. Adam Boothby, he helps us out with those. Yeah, so
2: we do two shows a week. We do a short episode every Monday, where we just explore a single expression and do a review. And every Wednesday, we'll like today, you know, we'll do a long episode. We'll take a deep dive in a distillery with uh, some good friends and, and go through a number of expressions and, and give you some lengthy content, enough, enough to get you to work and home from work, right,
0: Mike? Yeah, I think uh, we drank enough whiskey in today to get you. Uh, yeah. all the way to the east coast back to the west coast <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right well if you want to reach out to us and let us know you know if you've got some recommendations for the show you've got somebody you'd like us to have on if there's a bottle you would like reviewed make sure you reach out to us on instagram you can find me at jshannon 63
0: i'm one big chief and we'll see you down the bourbon road, road.